Hey, Dr. Kylie, I had my first dose of bind yesterday and wow, what results. My constipation has been improving. First, my stomach started rumbling and I went to the bathroom and, and had an enormous bowel movement. Sorry, TMI, but you know what I mean. And I feel so much better today. By the way, I had a colonoscopy on June 3rd, which was negative, which was great news because my mom died of colon cancer. My first month of supplements has been incredible. I think the GA adrenal helped the most. Plus, I increased my thyroid medication because my TSH was low normal and I feel the best I've felt in years. Lots of energy. I wake up feeling like Energizer Bunny. Go, go, go. I'm able to walk over 10,000 steps per day. I've changed my diet to a lean protein and I'm losing weight. Finally. I am looking forward to continuing on with months 3 through 12 of my program. I thank God every day, Kylie, that I found you. I'm looking forward to continuing. God bless you and your family, and I hope you have a wonderful summer vacation. Pam. Picture this. The next time your doctor gets your labs done and tells you they're normal, you can smile and say thank you. Take them home and read those normal labs yourself. You won't have to depend upon someone else Again, I'm going to teach you how I read them in a very simple way so no medical training is required. Even brain fog, you can do this too. Where can you get this life-changing education? A private podcast coming inside the Beyond the Diagnosis membership. It's happening this fall, and if you want to transform your normal labs into answers, healing, and hope without depending on anyone else, come join the tribe. You can get all the details and come join us at drkylieburton.com backslash healing dash beyond dash the dash diagnosis. There's another option. In fact, October 4th, we begin our six week of free to heal programs. Come join us in the program that's right for you. Learn more and register at drkylieburton.com and let's celebrate your success next. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. I'm here with a special guest all the way from Australia with the sweet Australian accent, Miss Sophia, Sophia Potente. She is a integrative health practitioner and gut health coach. I probably should have asked how to say your last name, but did I say it right? You did. You did. You did very well. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited, Sophia. We're going to talk about the gut today. And I know so many people have gut issues that go not discussed or that go unnoticed. And, and I even like I have a cousin, he what at 14, 15 years old, they finally figured out that something was wrong with his gut. But for this, his entire lifetime, he just assumed that everybody felt bad after eating, like having some pain. That was just normal to him. And as soon as somebody started asking questions and we, and we've gone down this entire realm with him for the last five years, where he's had multiple surgeries, they ended up figuring out his small intestines were twisted and kinked and his food wasn't going through, but it took the right questions for one. And then for two, he had to actually say something because his entire lifetime, he just assumed that everybody felt like that. So gut is big and we don't talk about it often. And I love that we're going to come from this approach of everything but food because food gets harped on and yes, it can help, but there's other things that can help too. 
So today we're going to talk about the seven triggers for bloating not related to food. And Sophia is going to share those with us. <laughs> and I love talking about this topic because, you know, as you say, food is the first place that people go. You know, often we think, oh, I'm, I'm eating healthy already. I've cut dairy and gluten out. That's kind of the first thing that we do. And then we wonder why we're still bloated. But as an integrative health practitioner, I'm all about looking at all the various pieces of the puzzle, okay, not just a single quick fix, even though obviously in our society we like the quick fix. We like to go, you know, we're conditioned to straight to the GP, you know, grab our um, PPIs for digestive issues and that's that. And unfortunately that's setting us up for, you know, long-term digestive issues. Before we get into that, let's talk about PPIs. Yes. These things that we take for heartburn, acid reflux, GERD, it's all the same thing. But I used to have it really, really bad in high school to the point where I had to get my throat scoped three different times. I was on omeprazole, Prilosec, Asifex, I think is what the prescription was called. And on top of those, you're on different medications for all the side effects that those things produce. Acid reflux is a, is a big one, and they give what we call PPIs for it. Dive into that a little bit for us, because what yeah, we're taught is not correct. Absolutely. So, I mean, this is this is a whole other conversation itself, right? I mean, the reason that I actually went back to study as an integrative health practitioner was because of my son. So, this is where my son's journey began because he had very severe reflux as a baby, and he spent a year on very high doses of PPIs four different versions of PPIs at adult doses actually as a baby. And I was never told about the impact that they have and that they haven't, they aren't approved for long-term use. And so I guess, you know, my message to anybody that is, um, you know, considering taking them or has taken them is I'm very much an advocate of making informed choices. And there's three things that I wish that I knew about taking PPIs. And one is the way that they work is by making our stomach alkaline. And what happens then is, a, we can't absorb our nutrients in the same way because we need that stomach acid to, to absorb our nutrients. B, we can't break our food down. Okay, And so what happened with my son, for example, he ended up, you know, as you, as you said, you know, he ended up getting constipated and then needing a laxative to deal with that. And then the third thing is we need our stomach to be acidic, you know, at that pH level to maintain that healthy bacteria balance. Okay, And so then he ended up with SIBO, he had bacterial overgrowth, and it just became this a whole other, you know, a snowball effect. Okay, so I think, you know, the, these PPIs are being dished out as a first resort, you know, and of course, modern medicine has its place and it's, you know, can be life-saving in so many circumstances. But unfortunately, you know, it's it's something that we are given far too freely without being informed of, of the consequences of those. Yeah. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here in America, you can get PPIs over the counter very easily. Oh, wow. No, we can't hear they're a prescription medication here, but we can get um, antacids, so which are a whole other thing in themselves. Like the, I'm not sure if you have Mylanta over there, for example, you know, which contains aluminium. And then my son was having this every night. He'd be waking up screaming in pain from reflux. And, and little did I know that the aluminium I was giving him every night would result in um, aluminium toxicity. Later on, when we had heavy metal testing, he had aluminium toxicity. So that's why you've been through a ring or how old is he now? He's seven now. He's doing very well. Thank goodness. So after seeing nine pediatricians and gastroenterologists, um, he was put on a wait list for major stomach surgery because nothing that we did was um, was helping him. 
And we spent that year, it was a blur in and out of hospitals and doctors. And, you know, we had endoscopies, colonoscopies, all they found was inflammation. And, you know, which, which I didn't really need a test to tell me because it was, you know, we, we could tell that from his symptoms. But we ended up seeing an integrative doctor who we, we used a holistic approach there and many of the things that I'm going to talk about today. But we basically went to a, a grain-free, dairy-free diet. We eliminated chemicals in our home and we also, you know, and that was the first thing that I'd ever heard about, <laughs> the chemicals in our home. And then also using different natural remedies so fish oil probiotics homeopathics too many to list here really but in that process we were able to wean him off everything in just four months and cancel that stomach surgery four months that's really quick yeah absolutely absolutely you know out of the nine gastroenterologists that we'd we'd seen nobody had ever done the test that she did so what test did she do so she did heavy metal testing as well as the stool testing and bloods. I mean, look, it was seven years ago, so too many to remember, to be quite honest with you. But the most significant one was the stool testing, where we saw that he had very severe strep overgrowth, as well as the heavy metals. Yeah, those functional medicine tests can be quite powerful. And they're, but they're not, a lot of people will use so many of them, when you really just need to dial it in and pick the, the primary one, maybe two tests. Like you said, the heavy metal, the stool testing was perfect for your son. And the nice thing with the stool testing, I ran a stool test on my, on my child. He was now four. I did it when he was a baby. So it was like, oh, well, they poop in the diaper anyways. You could just get it from the, from the sample really easily. We didn't find anything in him, but I was trying to figure out some food sensitivities with him at that point. Now he seems to be fine. At, the, at that time, I was for sure nuts, but I believe he's over outgrown that. And now it's mm-hmm. on to the next child, figuring out what is... She's got like little eczema patches all over her skin and has been that way since birth. Now she's almost, she's just over one years old and her skin is looking really, really good, but her, her milk is lactose free. And I'm trying to figure out how do I transition her from formula to milk? What kind of milk do we go nut based? Do we like so many different options out there navigating all of those is tricky. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, and I think one of the the risks with these food intolerances and what we what our experience was that when we went paleo, we ended up over-relying on all the nut milks and the plant milks. And we actually created a, a food intolerance ourselves. And when we actually got a food intolerance test, all those foods that I thought, you know, were doing him good, we were intolerant to. So coconut, it was almond, there was garlic, banana, egg. No, so it was it was very tricky, but it's a gradual journey. And I think the fact that you're, you know, now you're working on your second child, it goes to show that that health is an ongoing journey. We don't re- reach that final place. Well, I know when I started breastfeeding her, I breastfed her for the first two months and it was awful. It was torture. I mean, it didn't hurt me, but she was a very difficult baby, screaming, crying till one, two, three, four in the morning. And then it's like, I'm no longer breastfeeding and she's perfect this beautiful little angel <laughs> oh, wow. but for me I was trying to work at the same time so I wasn't eating enough to produce milk and then two I was like you I eat a lot of nut-based products to avoid our so-called or our inflammatory foods and I think she was allergic to all those foods I was eating so then I cut out those and then it was like what do I eat I'm not I'm working all day. I'm trying to get food in. I'm trying to feed her and bounce her at the same time. 
It just wasn't a good combination. And so when I completely lost my supply and we transitioned there to bottle, oh my gosh, that was the best blessing in disguise ever because it's been so much better the last 10 months to the point where if it was continuing, probably be done having kids. So it's a fun journey, no matter whether it's us, ourselves, or our family members, especially when it comes to motherhood and, and our children. With the three things you wished you knew about PPIs, one, the alkaline stomach, two, they cause you to not be able to digest food. And then three, was it create the stomach more acidic? More, we need the acidity. Is that what it is? So one is it affects nutrient absorption. And then it affects our digestion. So we need our stomach to be acidic to break down our food. And then the third is it affects the bacteria balance in the gut. Perfect. PPIs, I don't know what the statistics are, but I would bet they're probably in the top five medications given. They're that common. On top of levothyroxine, the lovely thyroid medication. Okay, let's get into it. The seven triggers for bloating not related to food. Absolutely. And some of these are, I guess you'd call them relatively simple and things that we we know, but we often forget and others are a little bit more complex. So let me start with one of the more obvious ones that we forget, which is the way that we eat, not just what we eat, which is all about chewing. Okay. So sometimes we forget that that digestion begins in our stomach. Okay. And we, by breaking down our food, by chewing our food well, we're exposing our food to our saliva, which contains digestive enzymes. And then we're also sending a signal to our stomach to start producing those digestive juices. Okay, so so many of us will eat on the run, we'll eat at our desks, we'll, you know, nibble at the kids' leftovers, we'll, you know, scoff our food on the way to work, we might eat in the car or whatnot, and we don't give ourselves, you know, time to just sit down, be present, be mindful and enjoy our food slowly. You know, we eat in front of the TV. So I think just by that simple step of just, that mindful eating, taking our time to like to chew our food, to enjoy our food, to savour it can really make a big difference. And I think the other thing about chewing is, you know, if we're just quickly scoffing our food, often we're not, we're not noticing what we're eating and we end up eating twice as much. You know, I mean, how often have we got to the end of a packet of popcorn and we're like, oh, where did that go? I don't even remember eating it. And so we go and have some more because we're not feeling satisfied. And then we end up overeating and that's going to contribute to indigestion as well. So it just becomes this cycle. So that would be number one, is chewing our food really thoroughly. And then you have a number you throw to that. Sometimes people say, you know, you should chew your food 20 times before you swallow it. Not really. I think it depends. It depends on the food, right? Some is going to take a lot more chewing, like a real salad okay, or something that's cooked will break down a lot more easily. I think the most important thing is it's, it's emulsified, so it's you know almost like a paste-like texture without wanting to over overthink it or overanalyzing it. You just want to be able to swallow it smoothly. I remind my clients: your stomach doesn't have teeth. Just give yourself time to you know to break your food down. <laughs> the stomach doesn't have teeth. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so number two is kind of related to the rushing, which is stress. Okay, and so we know that stress affects every function in the body, and it definitely affects our digestive system. So if essentially our digestion shuts down when we are stressed and you know, all our blood is rushing to our limbs and our legs to help us run away from that line when we're in fight and flight mode, okay? And so then our digestive system is suffering. So we're not getting those gastric juices. The motility through our digestive tract is slowing down, okay? And this is often why if people are eating when they're stressed, they end up bloated. 
And then we also know that our cortisol and our insulin levels are rising and which makes us much more likely to reach for those, you know, those sugary foods, those starchy and those carb-based foods. And I know that's for me, that's, that would be a trigger. I know that when, you know, I'm stressed and I think, you know, many of my clients, they report the same thing. Right? Yeah. So the bottom line with that is just making that effort to eat in a calm state whenever we can. And just yeah, if you're I rushing, think- if you've had an overwhelming day, not only eating in a calm state, but grocery shopping in a calm state. I offered oh, yes. an example <laughs> last night. I went to the grocery store last night at like nine o'clock. I came home with like two things of ice cream and they've never been opened. I was like, oh, ice cream sounds so good tonight. I'm going to have some ice cream. So I bought some. Chances are, in, you know, a couple of months, I'll throw them away because... <laughs> I tend to buy these things in those moments, but then we never actually eat them. Like the other day I I made cookies and put 95% of them in the freezer. Eventually we'll get to them, you know, on camping trips and lake and lake trips and things like that. We make these decisions when we're highly stressed, right? Absolutely. Love love that. That's one of the factors. And it's like why they say not to go grocery shopping when we're hungry, right? Those supermarkets are so great at grabbing our attention with their signs and their colors and all the things. I, I'm the most fan. common foods in the very back end. So you have to walk past everything to get to them. Yeah, it's a very, they're very good at, at laying grocery stores out. Absolutely. And I'm a big fan of shopping online, actually, because it cuts out a lot of those impulse purchases, but they're getting very clever now with popping up different ads and reminding you about certain things and giving you offers online. So yeah, when I order online, I save a lot of money. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. You don't get a shock when you get to the checkout. But yes, yeah, so so with stress, just really important to eat our food calmly so we can break it down so that our digestive system does its job as it's designed to. And I think, you know, the other thing that we forget is that gut-brain connection as well. So we know that, you know, through the vagus nerve, our brain and our gut is connected. Okay, so they're literally talking to each other. We've got over 500 million neurons in our gut as well. Okay, so when we are stressed, that is definitely going to have an impact on our digestive system, not just at that moment, but over time. Okay, because it's, you know, many of us are living in this chronically stressed state every day. Okay, and over time, that's going to contribute to the inflammation in the gut. You know, it's going to affect the bacteria balance in our gut. You know, and over time, we might start to see leaky gut as well. Okay, so it's really important, not just for our digestion, but just our overall health, you know, to have that stress under control and look at what our triggers are and trying to introduce different, you know, routines and habits in our day that are going to help our body spend more time in that parasympathetic nervous system state. Okay, so the third one is, again, it's one of those ones that we forget, which is all about hydration. Okay, so, you know, often now we're living on coffee or we're having soft drinks and, you know, having juices and so forth. But just, you know, just drinking that water, keeping our bodies hydrated makes such a difference in flushing those toxins out, you know, moving food through the bowels, um, helping, helping to soften our stools as well. Okay. And so often, you know, clients, I find they focus so much on food and they forget about the other half of the equation, which is the water. And so one of the tips I love to give clients about getting more liquid into their day. Okay. So one would be drinking in between meals rather than with their meals, right? Because we know when we drink too much water, particularly cold water, it can dilute our digestive juices. Okay. And remembering we need our stomach to be acidic. Okay. So it's always best if we're going to have a lot of water, having it in between meals, if you want to have it with meals, maybe a little bit of ginger tea, a bit of warm lemon water is great just to wash our food down. We don't want to be 
you know, drinking a whole glass of water with our meals. Another tip I like to give clients is in the morning, you know, trying to start the day with a smoothie. And there's a few reasons, and I'm not talking about a smoothie that we might get from our typical juice bar that has, you know, just as much sugar as a can of Coke, but something that you make at home, you know, low sugar fruits, plenty of water in that. And the reason for that is one, it's pre-digested, okay, so our gut doesn't need to work very hard to break it down. Two, it's a really easy way to pack in lots of nutrients that we might not otherwise be getting. Okay, we can put spinach in there. We might be able to put some healthy fats in there, some greens, some berries. Whereas often if we think about a typical breakfast, you know, we're eating the toasts and the cereals. You know, I think of these as filler foods. You know, they're filling us up, but we're not getting much nutrition. And then the third reason smoothies are great in the morning, we're often dehydrated. Okay, and so it's a really good way to flush our body with lots of liquid and it's not going to take a lot of our energy to break down. So um, you know, often when we have a big meal and we feel you know, spiking our blood sugar levels, we feel tired, we feel hungry two hours later and just get in that stuck in that carb cycle. Whereas I find a smoothie, it's just a lot more satiating. You know, it's, it's nutrient-dense, easy to digest. Love it. And then the fourth one we, we've kind of touched on already, which is medications. So, you know, as I said, I'm all about helping people to make informed choices. You know, our, our doctors, you know, GPs as I call them here in Australia, they are well intended, but in that 15-minute time slot they have with us, you know, they don't have much time to talk about side effects. So it's really up to us to ask those questions, to do our research, to know exactly the pros and cons of what we're taking. So I'm talking about specific ones in particular. So, you know, the antibiotics, the PPIs, the NSAIDs, even the contraceptive pill, which we are not you know, commonly told about, that it affects our gut. And so we talked about PPIs and the way that they make our stomach alkaline and we can't break our food down, we can't absorb our nutrients, you know, and that it affects the bacteria balance in our gut. And then when it comes to antibiotics, you know, we're wiping out, I'm sure your guests on your show have talked about this, but we're wiping out not just the bad, but also the good. And then it basically leaves our gut as a blank slate, which is, you know, very ripe for those pathogenic bacteria, for the candida and for the parasites to come back in there. Right? So it's, you know, it's something that we want to be using as an absolute last resort rather than the first resort or, you know, taking a just-in-case approach for those. Okay, so I know that, you know, for our, in our personal experience, we've been given antibiotics just in case. So it was just in case he gets a kidney infection at six months old. You know, my son was put on um, prescribed a six-month course of antibiotics just in case he got a kidney infection. But we, we were lucky. We didn't actually give them to him. We decided, look, if he gets one, we'll give it to him then, you know. So um, you know, sometimes we're actually giving them as a preventative. But I'm a big advocate of only using them if we absolutely need them. Yeah. And then the fifth one is the what we're putting on our bodies and cleaning our home with, which is the toxins, okay. So these are more the sort of thing that have a longer-term effect. So it's not something that's going to, you know, leave us bloated straight away when we're spraying the, the cleaning products in our home. It's something that, you know, accumulates over time. So, you know, each and every day we're, you know, we're putting deodorant on, we're spraying perfume on ourselves, we're spraying the spray and wipe, we're spraying air freshener, and it's the accumulative effect, the fact that we're inhaling, we're absorbing these toxins over time that's building up in our body, you know, affecting our microbiome. And particularly in the last year, we've been, you know, spraying 
bleach and sanitizer everywhere and constantly using hand sanitizers and we forget that we're more more bacteria than we are human you know so this is how we end up with antibiotic resistance right so it's bacteria is also our friend it's all about balance have you ever heard of systemic formulas it's a supplement company that you would love their conference because they get into this bacteria and it's bacteria everywhere in the soil in our on our skin things that I would have never even thought about but they're the main supplement company I use and I actually teach on their Facebook platform every week and I was just talking to the doc who formulates all their stuff this past week and Dr. Shane who I'm going to have on the podcast as well he is like a nut when it comes to bacteria probiotics prebiotics I mean he can talk to you about bacteria for days on end but it gets way more complex than just our gut microbiome. There's so much more to it than just the gut microbiome. I'm literally, it's on your skin. It's, it's really cool. So I'm I'm interested to see what he's going to have to share as well. And which will also be a forthcoming episode. Yes. I love to teach people, just show people how easy it is to swap because often, you know, when we talk about um, letting go of perfumes or deodorants and people feel like they have to miss out but there's always a natural safer option or version of what they what they're using so it's a lot easier than we think to actually swap out those toxic products and replace them with something natural and I think I know that I I used to think that you know just because it's sold on my on the shelf it should be safe you know but now I like to remind clients that that comes up you know every now and then oh it should be okay it's on the shelf but you know there are many products that we know are unsafe are still sold so even cigarettes we know you know Roundup um, we know talcum powder baby powder you know this company has been charged millions of dollars and it's still available at my local supermarket you know so again it's just like with the medications we just need to know what we're putting on our body and that it can affect us over time. I get a Facebook ad coming through my Facebook feed every once in a while that literally says, hey, we can teach you how to build your own supplement company and brand our supplements underneath whatever brand you want to put them under and sell it. That's what the supplement company is going to stoop down to. Just any lay person can pick up a label and slash it on something, money marker to it. And it's crazy what is still available but it's all in the name of money. So yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, cool. Let's remind ourselves here. We have one digestion begins with chewing, two stress, three water, four medications, five toxins. We are at number six. Number six. So number six is the biggie. And that's the umbrella of many things, which is the ecosystem of our gut. So there might be, so I love to, once people have covered the foundations, okay, if there's still issues that are unresolved, we love to do stool testing with clients because that can show us a number of things. So it can identify whether there is candida, whether there's bacterial overgrowth, so either of the beneficial bacteria or pathogenic bacteria, whether there is Helicobacter pylori, whether there are parasites, and also about their digestive function. Okay, so this is all about looking at the root cause, particularly if there's persistent bloating and they're doing all the right things, you know, they're eating right, you know, right foods and, you know, having that lifestyle that supports healthy digestion. And if there's still something going on, a stool test can be really just helpful in taking out the guesswork. And so once they've done that stool test, if we find, you know, if we find that there's bacterial overgrowth, for example, um, I use a four-step protocol, which we call the four R's. Or, uh, so remove, replace, rebalance, 
okay? And then we're restoring the gut. So removing, we're removing whatever that offending food, whatever that trigger is, so whether it's the parasites or the um, bacterial overgrowth, or it might be a triggering food. And so with a triggering food, we might want to do a food intolerance test, for example, if they've eliminated the common triggering foods like dairy, gluten and egg, and they've still got issues there. A food intolerance test can be really helpful. Restoring their digestion, so with anti-inflammatory, easy to digest foods, as well as they might need digestive enzymes or digestive bitters. And then the third step is about re-inoculating the gut with a beneficial bacteria. And so that stool test can be really helpful to so that they can restore with the right bacteria because we might see that they're low in, in B-ramnosis, for example, and then we know that's the bacteria that they actually need because sometimes, you know, I think one of the first things that people might do is take a probiotic, but sometimes it can actually cause more problems than what they started with because what they're doing is they're feeding the you know, the bad bacteria in their gut. And so I often like to remind clients that their gut is like a garden, okay? So we don't go in there if it's overgrown with weeds. The last thing we want to be doing is start to plant the seeds. We want to take those weeds out first and then we start to you know, replenish it. And so that's essentially what we're doing with that four-step process. Um, and then that fourth step is all about restoring and resealing the lining, okay? So what we've basically done, we've taken out, you know, taken out those triggers, we've restored digestion, we've re-inoculated the gut with beneficial bacteria, and then we want to heal and seal that intestinal lining, okay? So we might use DGL, might use marshmallow, glutamine, um, zinc carnosine, different things we can use depending on that person. What type of stool testing do you like to use? What company? It's called, um, it's a local company called Nutripath. So it's a, yeah, integrative pathology test. There's companies all over the world when it comes to stool testing. So it's always curious to see what it is in Australia. There's another one that I used to use called Great Plains Laboratory, but that's over in the US. So that's a bit, um, a bit tricky. It's much easier now finding something local. Yeah, Great Plains is is a popular one. Okay. What about ecosystem of our gut? I love that you said the ecosystem. Like you would, you would do really well with systemic supplements and also their. I'm definitely going to check them out actually. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll invite you to their Facebook group. That's where I am every week, every Tuesday. That's where I am. Okay. Number seven. Okay. So number seven, it probably comes before everything, which is really about our mindset and the way that we think. And that's because, you know, it's the way that we think that determines whether or not we can stick with something because this is a gradual journey, right? It's there's so many pieces to the puzzle. And sometimes on this healing journey, we can take two steps forward and one step back and we try something and it doesn't work. So we're essentially, I guess, keep persisting. So, you know, we're tempted to just want this quick fix, particularly if we've got, you know, if we've got pain and it's something that's really being persistent for some time. We just want it to be done. We want this single quick solution. And when that doesn't happen, we give up too soon. Okay. Or the other, you know, the other end of the spectrum is we think about what we're doing as a diet and we focus on what we're missing out on rather than, you know, we, we have that diet mentality and focus on we can't eat this or we can't do that or it's too hard. Whereas rather what we want to be looking at to make it more sustainable is is what am I gaining through this? How am I going to feel afterwards? You know, and coming at it from a place of really looking after our bodies and self-care and nourishing our bodies rather than I can't eat this or I can't eat that or I'm missing out. And when we come from that place, I just think it becomes a lot easier to put those changes into practice. 
because I know that we felt I felt really sorry for myself at the beginning when with my son and we had to I had to cook everything from scratch. It was such such a drastic change from what we were doing before. We were very much doing the processed foods, a very conventional, what you call a, the sad American diet. That's that's the way that we were eating up until we saw my integrative doctor. So I had to completely flip that on its head. I was cooking everything from scratch, you know, even baking his breads, breaking crackers from scratch. And so, you know, it was very easy for me to get stuck in that, you know, woe is me going out and feeling like we're missing out on all the things, but I just realized it was going to make things too difficult. So I had to really flip that switch on the way that I was thinking. Yeah. And in the long run, it's so worth it because imagine the amount of medications he would be on right now and the lifestyle that he would be on when, if you didn't make those changes. Absolutely. We've got to focus on that end goal, don't we? So that yeah. Keep reminding ourselves that it's going to be worth it. You know, and it's and once the body heals and rebalances, then we are able to bring that balance back. So I, what I found really helpful was just reminding myself that it's not forever, you know, and just focusing on those little wins that we get along the way that night that he would sleep more deeply, the night that, you know, when he would settle more quickly and just those little wins along the way just reminded myself that that just made it all worth it. Super cool. I love your breakdown here. It's so easy to follow and things that we don't think about, you're dead on. There's so much more we can do than just eliminate foods and focus solely on foods. It's a lot more to our health than just food. So definitely check her out, ladies and gentlemen, if you're dealing with some gut stuff, thenaturalswitch.com. You can also find Sophia on Facebook and Instagram at The Natural Switch. She's located in Australia but feel free to reach out anywhere you are in the world because this is a worldwide web. Let's use it. Thank you, Sophia, for joining us. Do you have any other final thoughts you'd like to leave? Look, I just want to remind people that really, you know, just to be your own health advocate. You know, sometimes we give so much power to somebody else, whether it's, you know, a doctor or a practitioner, but at the end of the day, we're the ones, you know, each and every day making those little choices. So just to have trust in yourself, keep an open mind, you know, don't, and don't be afraid to get other opinions too. So, you know, I think for ourselves, we were nine different people before we got the answers that we need. So, you know, find a practitioner that takes that holistic approach to find that underlying root cause. And I also want to let people know as well that I run a, you know, if you like the sound of those seven steps, but you don't know where to begin, I teach an eight-week program for women just to help women kickstart that gut healing journey and take out the overwhelm out of the process. So it's very holistic. It looks at the mindset. It looks at food, managing stress, um, self-care, reducing toxins, as well as pathology testing and supplementation. So it basically walks people through that step-by-step process with my support along the way. And the transformations in that group have really been amazing through the women, like less bloated, more energy, they've lost weight, they're feeling more confident. So if you're interested in that, um, I'd love to chat with you through, through my Instagram. Okay, cool. Do you have a date that you're starting that or is it just always available? It's just kicked off this round, but it will be running again at the moment. The registrations will be open in, in, a, in a few weeks. So okay. by the time that this podcast goes live, it'll be open. Cool. That would be awesome. An eight-week program designed to help you walk through those seven steps. That would be the next place for you to go. If you're thinking, where do I start? Just start chewing your food a little bit more than you already are. That's where your digestion takes place is right inside your mouth. Well, thank you so much, Sophia. And let's go check her out at thenaturalswitch.com where you can find access to that eight-week program 
feel free to message her on Instagram. I hope you learned as much as I did from that discussion. Now, I'm in need of your help. I'm writing a book because of overwhelming requests. I'll be teaching you how to transform those normal labs into answers, healing, and hope. Whether you're a practitioner or you're trying to take charge of your own health, what questions do you have about blood work and labs? I'd love to answer those questions inside the book. To submit your questions for a chance to be answered within those pages, text 855-499-2555. Again, that's 855-499-2555. Then stay tuned. You just might have a special place inside the Q&A at the end of each chapter. Come join the membership. You not only get access to me on live calls, but you also get the answers to questions just like yours on my private podcast. This level of attention and help is only available inside my membership. So stop relying on late night Google searches and start getting the answers and relief you desire. I can't wait to welcome you in. I would also love to welcome you into the six-week Free to Heal program that's the right fit for you. We begin October 4th. Learn more about the program and the membership by going to drkylieburton.com. See you on the inside.